Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am glad you are here again with me this week. What a great week. It is the end of October, and the weather has completely changed here in California. We have been having rain for the last couple of days, and I'm just loving the cool, crisp mornings. And just we so need the rain. And I've just been really enjoying the weather change. We had such a hot summer. So the rain has just been such a nice welcome surprise this week. And speaking of surprises, it is almost Halloween. And I love Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays. And I like it because of the surprise. And I love being scared. So One of the things my husband and I do every Halloween is we go to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. And we go for two reasons. One, I go because I love being scared. And my husband goes because he loves seeing me scared and how much I freak out. And he gets such a kick out of it. Not in a mean way. He just thinks it's so funny because I scream and I laugh and I run in place. It is quite comical. But here's how I'm tying Halloween into this episode. One of the scariest things for my clients to do, every single one of my coaching clients, I would say at least 99% of my coaching clients, the scariest thing that they confront, whether at home, in their personal lives, or in the workplace, is conflict. And that is when it feels like Halloween to them. The monsters are coming out. They get scared. They get paralyzed. Maybe they're running in place. But there's just a lot of energy expended on conflict. So you can only imagine how I felt when I found the expert at conflict. And she's so much of an expert that she actually calls herself a peace builder, which I just love that for so many reasons. So I am thrilled to introduce you to my next guest. Her name's Hillary Benden. Um, We met through a networking group and Hillary is fantastic. We're also on the executive committee of a women's affinity group. And she is just so lovely and so smart and such an expert at conflict. And I don't know about you, but I would love to call myself an expert in conflict because I feel it is a muscle that we all have room to build. Absolutely, without a doubt. My husband can tell you that because he's a therapist and he deals with conflict every day with couples and you know people having trouble at work, etc. So he's, I mean, he absolutely sees as well that people have a hard time with conflict. And what I'll add to that is, especially women. As women, we have such a hard time with conflict, mostly because of how we were raised. At least in my generation, we were told, be the good girl. And not only that, we were told, be quiet and be the good girl. So we were told not to raise our voices. We learned very quickly, don't nag, don't make a ruckus, don't speak up too loudly. You just want to be quiet and be the good girl. 
And so much of that socialization carries with us into our adult life. And I'll speak for myself in my household. I mean, I love my parents, but we were never taught to deal with conflict. I would see my parents bicker or get into an argument. And then all of a sudden we were sitting down at the dinner table and there was nothing said, not even an apology. We just kind of went on with the day as if nothing had happened. So from my perspective, I actually didn't learn how to navigate through conflict very well until I was probably in my mid-30s. And it caused me a lot of anxiety when any kind of conflict would come up, whether it was at home or at work. So I'm not sure if anyone can relate to that or not. But can you imagine having someone that teaches you and not only teaches you, but can guide you through conflict? Well, that's exactly what my next guest, Hillary, does. She works within organizations and she helps mediate and facilitate these conflict conversations before they escalate into something major. Could be a lawsuit, could be people leaving the organization, could be dysfunction or disengagement on teams. But what she does is she works as a peace partner within the organization to help moderate these discussions before they escalate. And her efforts, you know, on the flip side, if you're helping people through those conversations, what companies have seen as a result of that are increased productivity, increased employee morale and engagement, and ultimately better bottom line results. So I believe everyone needs Hillary's services. Everyone needs a peace partner within their organization. And I think we can all agree that we all have an opportunity to really own and do conflict better. So I'm speaking for myself. I'm in that group too. So I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode where we dive into being a peace builder and doing conflict well with Hillary. And I invite you to think about a situation you have coming up this week. It could be personal or it could be a meeting with a boss or a challenging conversation. We are in performance review time getting prepared for that time. And so think about a challenging conversation that you have coming up in the workplace, like I said, or at home. And how might you take some of the insights or learnings from this podcast and think about how might you do the conflict better? How might you approach the potential conflict in a little bit different mindset or with a skill that you learned from this podcast? Let's dive into my conversation with Hillary Benden. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Hillary, I'm so excited we're doing this today. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm so excited too. I love being on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I am super excited and would love for you to share with my audience a little bit about yourself and your career history. Okay. So um, I'll go way back because I started out in high school. I was convinced I was going to be in the nonprofit sector and I was going to do something and change the world, um, as we all think when we're young and, and ambitious and whatnot. And I ended up working in the nonprofit sector in organizational leadership development, and I did some grant writing and whatnot. And I left that to pursue teaching. And I was a special education teacher for about three years and discovered, you know what? I love the kids. I enjoy spending time with them, but the system, not really for me. So I went into adult education. And I worked, did it through corporations. And so I did learning and development for about um, another 15 years. And at my last position uh, with a company, I went back and forth between consulting and, and um, within companies over those 15 years. And when at my last position, I discovered that I wasn't as enthusiastic about it anymore. I wasn't as excited and I, I wasn't getting... Um, the results that I saw. So I decided I wanted to pivot and I found mediation and I decided, okay, I'm going to dive into this topic. And I went back and got a master's in dispute resolution. And um, from that time, I've married the organizational experience with the conflict resolution. And that's how I got to where I am. Yeah, no, I thank you for sharing. And so so tell us about what what you're doing now, because I love what you're doing now, which is why I wanted you to have you on the podcast. <laughs> thank you. So what I what I do now is I help companies resolve conflict at an early stage so that it doesn't grow and become a huge HR issue or even worse, a legal uh, case. So I go in either when there's an active conflict and I help people, I do mediation, I do what's called facilitated dialogues, and I do conflict and communication coaching so that I help people to do, um, to do conflict well. So um, there is actually a way to engage in conflict in a healthy and uh, effective way. And I try and help people do that. In addition, I offer my services um, as a subscription service. So it's more preventative. So that anytime um, an employee has an issue, you know, a challenge with a coworker or with their boss, and they, it's not something that rises to the level of an HR complaint, they can come to me and I can either coach them on how to deal with it. If it's to the level where they want to have a conversation, I'll approach the other person. And if they're in agreement, we'll have a dialogue amongst the three of us. And we get things resolved um, before they, they grow into big issues. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> because I, I have to tell you, I mean, the reason, I mean, first of all, I just adore you. And I'm so grateful that you're on today. And one of the biggest things I see in my coaching practice, no matter what level of the organization I'm working with in terms of you know levels, whether I'm working with men, whether I'm working with women, conflict 
creates so much internal conflict for people. Absolutely. And it's the thing that tends to kind of paralyze people. They don't know how to deal with it. And I would say, especially my female clients, it, they have, um, I think, so I've talked about the saboteurs before in the podcast. And, you know, I think so many women kind of have a natural tendency to be pleasers and to be nurturing. And they, they walk on the edge of conflict and they don't want to go there because they, they don't want to kind of stir the pot. They, find themselves getting very emotionally reactive. They don't want to cry at work. And I I just think it's a muscle that can absolutely be built. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today was to really talk about like, I love this concept of how do you do conflict well? So would love for you to share, you know, some maybe tips, some tricks and some maybe even stories, obviously, um, maintaining confidentiality. But just of, of how things have transpired and, and how people can get through conflict doing it well. Okay, great. Thanks for asking that because I think you you hit the nail on the head that conflict really starts from within. It's an emotional thing and people are afraid to engage in, in conflict externally because they have so much already internally. And because people hold on to things they are largely afraid that they're going to react in a way that is detrimental to their career, to them as a person, to their relationships. And so it really starts from within. And the best way to do conflict well is to be aware of who you are. It's that old emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-management, and understanding your motivations for things. And really, as well as that, giving other people a break and not making assumptions that somebody is out to get you or that somebody's inter- interacting with you to hurt you. I think a lot of times what happens is we all have stuff going on inside on a daily basis. And it could be as as extreme as you just had a fight with your partner or you know your boss just yelled at you. Those things could be extreme, but it also could be the little stuff that's going on every day, the stress, the worry, the concern that we have for our families, for our friends, et cetera, et cetera. And especially with the pandemic, the concern that we've all had over this time. So remembering that if when you do conflict, okay, to do it well, you need to be able to listen to the other person. So conflict can either be a blow up or conflict can be a disagreement discussion that becomes effective and and creates greater understanding and greater awareness and promotes creativity and innovation. But that can't happen if we are stuck in our assumptions. So I think the two biggest things are to be self-aware and be self-aware enough to understand what our assumptions are and to hold back on them and give the other person the benefit of the doubt. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> well, and also, you mentioned something really important is kind of in your intro of sharing what you do. You say, you know, I help people resolve conflict before they escalate into larger conflicts. And one of the things that I've seen a pattern of, and I'm curious to know if you see the same pattern, 
is people not addressing the small little molehills and and not giving either performance feedback along the way or addressing conflicts along the way when they're small. And then it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And even in your personal life, right? Mm -hmm. It, It builds and builds and builds. And then all of a sudden, people just blow. And then it becomes this huge mountain when potentially if it would have been addressed along the way, it, it's, it doesn't become that big of a conflict. So curious to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And that's actually what I'm trying to do in my peace partner business, which is um, where I work with companies um, and I'm just available to the employees to deal with things like what you're talking about, those little things that people kind of push under the carpet because they don't want to be seen as a complainer. And this is especially women. They don't want to be seen as a complainer. They don't want to be seen as the B word. They don't want to be seen as being difficult. They don't want to be seen as being aggressive versus assertive. So much of that is is what people are worried about and why they push these things under the carpet, so to speak. So in order to not do that, you have to have somebody who's going to help you and teach you and listen to you more than anything at all. And that's what I do as a peace partner to a company is I help people to engage in a way with me and with one another that they don't push those things under the rug, that they do deal with them when they're small so they don't grow and escalate. And let me give you an example. I had a client and it was a a small office of women. And there were two women in particular who had a challenge. And what, what happened was the one woman, we'll call her Jane. Okay, Jane worked in the company okay, for however many years, for many years. Okay. And Susan started to uh, work at the company. And the very first day that Susan came to the company, Jane did something that was off-putting to Susan. And this just bubbled and bubbled and, and, and grew and percolated into a huge thing that ended up splitting the office. You know, there were two factions, half and half. And it was kind of, um, it became that whole high school mean girls thing where it was one team against the other team. And if it had been dealt with initially, it wouldn't have escalated to the to the level that it did. Sure. If, you know, the Jane had become aware of what Susan was offended by and she had simply apologized from the beginning, it would have made a huge difference to Susan and Susan would have been fine and it wouldn't have grown and developed in the way that it did. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And so they brought you in and what was the result of, you know, your conversation kind of how did it end? Well, there was a lot of um, disagreement, obviously, about what had actually happened. And it it turned out that uh, Jane was actually, um, for lack of a better term, a difficult personality because she wasn't really willing, not that she was um, aggressive or anything in that manner, but she was not willing to look within herself. 
and accept her responsibility in the engagement. In the end, she chose to leave the organization. Um, and that was really because she recognized that she wasn't a fit. And I think there was a little help from the owner, but <laughs> she did exit the organization. And it allowed the rest of the group to find a, a peaceful way to gel together. Sure, sure. No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm curious, you know, you mentioned she was a difficult person. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, you know, what does make some people just difficult to work with? Because I think we've all experienced that person that is just really difficult to communicate with, to work with. And I'm curious from your perspective, because you're working with kind of difficult situations and difficult people, maybe not, maybe not difficult people, but you're, you're dealing with conflict a lot. But what do you think defines someone being a difficult person? I don't know what, I think what defines them, actually, let me think about that. Um, I think what defines them is the inability, their inability and the inability of others to communicate effectively. When it comes to conflict, communication always sits somewhere in the mix, mm -hmm. if not the main issue. Okay, because conflict is about people communicating ineffectively. It can be aggressive, it can be passive aggressive, it can be quiet, it can be explosive. Um, but in the end, it's about communication. And so those people that other people call difficult are people who they cannot connect with in a way to communicate effectively. And usually that person, the difficult person in the office, has an inability to communicate effectively what they're thinking and feeling. And a lot of it, I mean, it comes from people's backgrounds. Uh, it comes from what sits within. Again, it's that self-awareness, that ability to you know, be able to express yourself as, but even deeper than that, it's the ability to understand what's going on inside you. So in order to self-manage your emotions and, and act professionally in a business environment, you need to be aware that those emotions exist and you need to some degree to be able to identify them. Uh, a lot of the work that I do is helping people to recognize not only that they have emotions, but what those emotions are and how it impacts their ability to communicate and interact effectively with, with other people. So a lot of what I do is inside work. It seems that it's external because it's conflict with another person or other people. But in the end, it's, it's the coaching that I do is really inside work. Yes. Yes. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I've mentioned several times on the podcast, I'm married to a therapist. And so he's dealing with people's conflict, you know, a lot in his practice. And what you're saying is exactly what he shares with me is, is kind of the essence of that conflict is when people really don't have a self-awareness. And it's difficult also for them to be in touch with their emotions. I find so many people have a hard time understanding and realizing what's happening internally for themselves. And if you can't realize that for yourself, then it becomes more reactive than proactive and logical, right? It, it, it just becomes emotional mm -hmm. at that point. So I'm curious, be, 
you know, just as I see patterns in my practice, I'm curious to know from the companies you've worked with, from all the people you've worked with, what are kind of common patterns of conflict that you see that are coming up? So going back to this concept of assumptions, okay, we all make assumptions. We all do it. It's just like judgments. We all make judgments. We all make assumptions. It's the question of whether you're aware of them or not, in which impacts how you how you act on them. And so the most common thing I'm seeing is people acting out of their assumptions. So it could be like what I was talking about in the last example where um, Susan made an assumption about Jane based on an interaction at the very beginning of their work relationship. Another one is, oh, this was a huge assumption. So a bunch of partners in a practice um, in, in a certain type of business, and one of them wanted out of the practice. And the, that was really the, the impetus for the mediation. But in reality, what it was about is that he felt that he had been treated in a certain way that was not the way he wanted to be treated. And he made that assumption based on some things that he saw and observed, but he never asked what the reality was for those people. Instead, he made an assumption that they had wronged him, that they were doing something against him, when in reality, that wasn't their intention in the least, but because of that, Mm -hmm. it blew up and he wanted out of a 20 year partnership. Um, You know, it's kind of like a marriage. If you don't address the issues, then they blow up and things happen like divorce, you know, domestic abuse, all kinds of things happen in the personal life. Well, those kinds of things happen in a different way, but they happen in business. So when somebody, the conflict is almost always based on, I, somebody did something to me. Okay. Well, we all know if you look at psychology, people don't do things to you. People are reacting out of their own stuff. And most of the time, whatever they're doing is about them and their stuff and has nothing to do with you. It just comes out negatively in reaction to you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And it's just so true that it tends to be so reactive versus if we can pause and reflect and become self-aware and ask powerful questions, right? So I'm curious, kind of, I don't want to necessarily jump right into solving, but what are some of the the tactics or the best practices for people to start to, you know, kind of mend ways and and deal with the conflict? How do you advise them? Well, one of the things I do, which is a very simple technique, okay, for you to stop in an, in an engagement that could blow up into something detrimental to both sides, okay? If you start, if you're, let's say you have somebody in your office that just rubs you the wrong way. Okay. And every time they say something, your mind makes these assumptions and judgments about what they're saying in relationship to yourself. So I will ask people to take that breath, take that step back. And they say, well, I, I think about it. I, 
I can't think about it in the moment. Um, I don't know how to stop it. So what I do is, you know, some people do the count to 10, um, take a deep breath, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of times when you're in conflict, a conflictual engagement with somebody, when you're confrontational, if you stop and take a big, deep breath, they're going to take that as a, as a offensive measure. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So, so what I teach people to do is if you take um, your thumb and either your index finger or your middle finger and you rub them together, okay, just standing there, you just do it quietly. Nobody needs to see it so that you concentrate to feel the ridges of your skin, okay? It helps one, to calm you down. And two, it changes your focus point from aggression, internal or external, you know, anxiety, upset, aggression, whatever it is. And it focuses you somewhere else so that your mind can take over. So again, it's, um, you know, not to get too technical, but there we react out of our amygdala, our reptile brain, and we, you know, we kind of respond out of our executive functioning. So in order to move from that reaction to the conscious response, you need something that's going to stop you in the moment. And that simple technique focuses you and allows your brain to go from the, the you know, that reactive emotion, um, fight or flight, freeze reaction to a more thoughtful, how do I want to interact with this person um, in order to make this a beneficial rather than a detrimental interaction? Sure, sure. I love that. Um, I think that's great, especially in the moment. Any other kind of tips that you have to empower people to, you know, dissolve potentially an aggressive situation where someone you feel like someone's coming at you or yelling at you or or even if you're the person that they've made assumptions about? Right. Um, If someone's coming at you, the best way to not get into a a conflagration is to not react to what they're saying and not even necessarily respond to what they're saying consciously, but to do what's called de-escalation. And you do de-escalation by doing what I call reflective listening. So you listen to what they're saying and you reflect back to them. They're not just their words and their meaning, but their emotion. And it gives somebody the opportunity to process what they're thinking and feeling and saying in a way that helps them come down from the emotion and get to the real point. So again, you know, we all talk about listening. It comes down to listening first and talking second. So let's role play that because I would love for uh, my audience to kind of have an example of that. So you and I just had a meeting together I felt like you completely tried to undermine me mm-hmm. in the meeting. And I come into your office and I'm like, Hillary, not that I would ever do this, but Hillary, I cannot believe you did that in the meeting. You completely undermined what I was trying to achieve. You know, you know, I've been trying to get this budget for years and I can't believe you completely disagreed with me and derailed that entire conversation. Natalie, I'm really sorry that you feel that I did that. Tell me more because I didn't intend that. What can I, what 
what do you, what did I do that helped you to feel that way? Well, you know, I've been trying to get this budget for years and you, you know, your counterpoints and you completely disagreed with it. And now it's not going to get approved. And you know how passionate I am about this particular project. And I just completely felt like you knew how important this was. And I felt like you completely bypassed exactly what I was trying to achieve. So what I'm hearing is that you, you think that I was undermining you because I was opposing you um, in some of the thoughts around your budget. Yes. And that, that it appears that you're very angry about that. Yes. I'm pissed off. You're pissed off. Okay. Um, Well, I, I, under, I hear you and I understand that. I'm curious as to how you think I can help you um, to, so that we can come to an agreement and we can come to some peace around this. Well, I mean, ideally, I'd love for you to go tell the boss that you don't, you know, that the points you made in the meeting, you didn't mean because now I feel like he or she is going to make a decision about this project based on kind of what you brought to the table? Well, I, I understand that. I hear that. I'm not ready to dis- disagree with what I said because I do believe the points that I said, but I do recognize that this budget is very important to you and then I see a lot of merit in it. And um, I'm happy to go talk to the boss and explain that while I disagree with certain points, I am supportive of your budget. All right. I, I, I would appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Would you like to go with me to talk to the boss? Sure. That'd be great. Okay. Yeah. So what I what I experienced you doing in that role play was um, really acknowledging. And I, th- I thought you did a great job of really acknowledging my anger, really hearing my points, but also not giving in to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you understood you acknowledge and i think so many times people think acknowledgement is agreement exactly exactly they also think acceptance is agreement and what i mean by that is sometimes you just need to accept that somebody's going to disagree with you and if you by saying i accept it's kind of like forgiveness a lot of people think well if i forgive them i've lost and they've won and I think that whole concept of win-lose is, is something that, that needs to be addressed here because people think that if you're in conflict, someone has to win and someone has to lose. And in reality, that's not the case. You can both win and you can both lose. Um, so it's really looking at what the options are for interacting with people so that you can get that win-win rather than the win-lose or the lose-lose. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. And, you know, you talk about your work being a peace builder, working with organizations. And I'm curious, you know, why is it important to kind of deal with situations as they come up before they escalate into larger issues? You know, why is it, why is it important um, for them to be bringing you in you know, kind of on the onset of smaller issues bubbling up and, and what is the impact of them not bringing you in um, until things have escalated to a point where it's, we're kind of in critical mode. Right. So there are two aspects, two basic aspects. One is the human aspect and one is the business aspect. 
So business-wise, I help to, um, my the work that I do helps to increase productivity, employee morale, employee engagement. Um, it helps to decrease discord within the office. And it also helps the bottom line because you're not getting into legal battles. You're not getting into waste of time you know, waste of resources, because let's, let's say you have a human resource person that's uh, working in the, in the company and they have a lot of things that, that are their responsibility that they want to get done. A conflict arises and they're required to address that conflict. And let's say the conflict takes up five hours of their week. That's five hours of their week that they could have been doing something else. Mm -hmm. Um, that that was more um, productive for the organization. Yes, that is their role and that is part of their job. But if that could have been nipped in the bud when it was much smaller, they wouldn't have had to spend those five hours on that. And they could have been putting that more into another aspect of their job and their business. So from the business perspective, that's what it is. From the human perspective, we spend a lot of time at work, okay? Yeah. And we spend the vast majority of our waking hours are at work or in some sort of work environment. And we're people. People are messy. And people need to be, you know, given the opportunity to be authentic, to be engaged, to be happy, to be satisfied. And when you have conflict, People are upset. People are dissatisfied. And nobody should have to spend their working life being unhappy. You know, I'm not saying that everybody has to be joyful and blissful and, you know, always happy and always smiling, but they need to have a sense of psychological safety within the organization so that people feel comfortable. And that also benefits the bottom line, because if people feel safe to bring up issues, it's not just uh, conflict issues they're going to feel safe to bring up, but it's that innovative idea that they might be afraid to mention to their boss because they don't want to look silly. But if there's that sense of safety and, and some sense of camaraderie, they will feel more comfortable. And in the end, the business benefits hugely. Mm-hmm. I know. Absolutely. I agree with everything you're sharing. And, you know, having worked in a large organization for 27 years, I saw the benefits of when certain leaders had open communication and really encouraged our team to talk about problems and when things arose, address them. And I worked on other teams where things weren't addressed. And Things built up and built up and built up, and the team became very dysfunctional. So, you know, I've personally experienced um, that and also experienced it in my personal life, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I went through a divorce, and, you know, it's, it's when you just can't, when you're just always at an impasse and you can't resolve it, no matter how hard you try, at some point, you know, whether you're an employee or whether you're a partner, at some point, someone's going to throw their hands up and just say, I can't do this anymore. Right. And, right. you know, then, and then companies are losing people. They're losing really good performing employees. Uh, and that's a huge loss for organizations. Absolutely. A absolutely is a huge loss. And think about what's happened in the past year and a half. I mean, the whole pandemic has created 
a whole different perspective from for from employees about work and about family and about the interaction between um, their personal and their professional lives. The, the lines have somewhat gotten more blurred because of the pandemic. And a lot of conflict has arisen, not just externally, but internally because of everything that has gone on. So I have a client right now that is struggling with figuring out, you know, do they want to require everybody to come back in person? Do they want to go hybrid? Do they want to stay remote? And these are all issues that create great conflict Mm -hmm. Um, with each of those. There's no one answer for every company. Every company has to decide for themselves um, what in that regard, what what is most beneficial. But whatever they choose, there's going to be somebody who's unhappy. Um, And so the point is that you need to find ways to make people happy, but still have them do their job and fulfill their responsibilities. Because let's face it, work is a contract. I pay you, you do for me. Um, So a lot of times that brings up another thought that I have. And that is that sometimes when it comes to conflict at work, sometimes I say to people in my coaching, you know what, you get paid to do a job and it's not so much about you and your needs. It's as much about the company and their needs. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense, right? And what do you do as a leader? Because I heard you say, you know, you help from a third party perspective, help kind of mediate conflict between two people. So what do you do if you're the leader and you have someone on your team that is just always complaining about the smallest, most ridiculous, you know, they're just there's always that person that is just the complainer and that can never be happy. And so how, as a leader, do you help kind of manage that type of person? That's a really good question, Natalie. And I think there are so many different ways that I could answer it, but I'm going to say this, and that is listen. The reason that that person is nitpicking is because something is not there for them. Something is missing in the environment or in the situation or in their own life. And sometimes it's personal and it has nothing to do with the business environment. And then, and when that happens, that's when the manager needs to say, listen, here, this, these are my expectations. I need you to follow them. So the other part of it is just listening. You know, listen to what, listen beyond what the person's saying. Get some skills around how to understand what people are communicating, even when they don't understand mm-hmm. what they're communicating. And the best way to do that is to listen, yeah. is really to listen and learn the skill of de-escalation. As a manager, it's so important if you want to be a peace builder in your workplace, it's so important to listen and to learn to do reflective listening and to um, be able to be self-aware yourself, because the more we understand ourselves and our emotions, the more we can give other people a break and understand them and their emotions and help them to understand those things. And managers say, well, that's not my job. And you say, well, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. As a leader, that's part of your job. You're leading human beings. And um, that's one of the biggest challenges for many new leaders is they're great at their job and the technical part of it, 
but they are thrown into this environment and they don't know how to lead people because like I said, people are messy. Mm-hmm. Nope. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and that that's where I come in and really help build those leadership skills Absolutely. with those new leaders, because exactly what you're saying, you can be great as an ind- individual contributor, but the skills that make you a great individual contributor are not the same skills that make you a great leader. So um, completely agree with you. And kind of going back to the pandemic, I'm curious, what are either new kind of challenges that people are facing, um, especially leaders are facing? Um, Not sure if, you know, kind of what patterns you're seeing come up from a conflict perspective because we're working in a hybrid environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then also kind of maybe what are some of the opportunities and the silver linings that have come out of the pandemic that maybe have eased some conflict? Right. Well, I think that one of the biggest areas of conflict is when you have um, an office where there are people who are required to be in person and then there are people who can either have a hybrid work schedule or are fully remote. Sometimes there's resentment that builds from the people who are in the office. Um, oftentimes they they feel that the other people, they don't, they don't see the other people. They don't know that the other people are working. And while it's not really their business because they're not managing the remote or hybrid people, um, it's still, there still builds a sense of resentment, especially when they're trying to communicate with people who are not in the office and they're not getting a response. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest uh, areas of conflict that I've seen from um, that has grown out of the pandemic and people working in the office and some people not working in the office. Um, obviously, there are so many other things that have come up. Uh, there's a lot of discord between employees and and the leadership, particularly if the leadership is stuck in a pre-pandemic mindset. And they haven't realized that, you know, workers have changed, mindsets have changed. And so they need to adapt and and evolve with the new way of thinking, because there is a new way of thinking about work. I mean, we're the conversation about a four day work week has risen again in this country, which has never been accepted to this point. But There are a lot more people who are starting to believe in the four-day work week because of everything that's happened. In terms of, what was the second part of the question? Yeah, I asked if there were any silver linings in the pandemic that have come about because maybe of a hybrid workplace. Well, I think the biggest silver lining is that people are more productive, whether they're in the office or in a remote setting. Um, I think people recognize if I spend my time here focused, then I can go out and do the things that I want to do. Um, there's a kind of a, a, a flip side to that, which is when people don't engage with each other, then there you don't have the camaraderie, you don't have as much collaboration, you don't have this creativity and innovation. But the faulty thinking is that you can't have that if people aren't physically together. And that's really not the case. So the silver lining, the biggest silver lining I see is that there are so many new ways that people have learned within companies to create collaboration, to create camaraderie, to create um, a sense of belonging and culture within the culture 
in ways that we never knew before, using technology. How Zoom existed before the pandemic, and yet all of a sudden, all these people said, oh my gosh, I don't know why I wasn't using this before. I have family, you know, across the country and it's always been so difficult. We just talk on the phone and you don't feel as connected. And all of a sudden I can use Zoom and I see them and it's exciting. So, um, you know, Zoom and all the other technologies that have um, really shown their strength in terms of collaboration and, and communication and things like that. If you take advantage of those as a company, it's going to be better for the business than if you sit back and try and stuff everybody back in the box of how it was before. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I love that visual just because I was trying to stuff everyone back in the box because it's never going to happen. It's never going to go back to the way it was. That's just the reality of this new, you know, what the pandemic has brought about. So uh, if leaders think they can stuff everyone back in the box, they're wildly <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yes. So as we yes. close out our conversation, um, any last words of wisdom that you have or anything else you want to cover before we close out today? You know, I think give yourself a break and give other people a break. And the more you're willing to do that, the more you understand your own self, be more aware of yourself the more you can be aware that other people are also going through something. You know, it's the old adage, walk in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's really learning how to do that effectively. It's going to help you do conflict well. And uh, yeah. So then, of course, you know, bring me as a peace partner into the business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so um, would love for you to share. I'll have all the information in the show notes. But how can people get in touch with you and hear about your services? Sure. Um, they can uh, contact me either via the web, my website, which is www.hxbllc.com, or they can call me at area code 626-202-1633. My uh, email address is Hillary with one L at hxbllc. Dot com And if they can't remember any of those things, they can contact Natalie and she can put me in contact. <laughs> <with them. laughs> Absolutely. No. And I, I think the work that you're doing is so wonderful. Um, I love the title of being a peace partner and a peace builder within organizations. I think every organization needs your services. So Hillary, thank you for coming on and helping us to not only understand conflict better, but helping us know how to do conflict better. So thank you so much. I've really appreciated. I've learned so much from our conversation today and just so grateful that you were here to share your wisdom with my listeners. Well, thank you for help having me. It's been a pleasure and I hope that I've been able to share things that your listeners will benefit from. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. 
I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now. Oh, 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 oh,